to the Roma Press Podcast with John Solano. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Roma Press Podcast. I hope you're all doing very, very well today. Just a couple of days ahead of the match against Cagliari. And on a day where uh, Roma fall victim, or I should say Roma claim another victim, in terms of another torn ACL, the cruciate ligament of Davide Zabacosta has been torn. It was confirmed earlier today that the fullback will be out for an extended period, upwards of five months. So certainly his time at the club will be over since he was only on loan. Before I bring Andy on, he and I obviously discuss that. We discuss the draw in the Europa League against Volsberger. We also uh, discuss the upcoming match against Cagliari. Before I bring him on, I have to thank our wonderful patrons at Patreon. For just one U.S. dollar, you can get early access to the podcast. For five, you can get extra episodes of the podcast. And for ten... You can get, and we just started this, we, we rearranged the, the tiers on Patreon. You can get access to some of the custom items that we are making here. The first one that we will be sending to our patrons will be released very, very soon. We're working on the designs right now. So thank you to all of our wonderful patrons at Patreon. If you would like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Roma Press, or you can go to the support page at the top of romapress.net. So without further ado, here is Andy. All right, Andy. Well, I was going to primarily use this episode to complain about how poor, once again, Javier Pastore was against Austrian farmers in the Europa League, but... Um, the attention, or at least my attention, has been taken away due to this curse, due to this, I, I don't even know what to call it at this point, the injury to Davide Zapacosta. It is the 15th, 15th player to suffer a torn ACL at Roma. Um, in the last five years, good friend Angelo Mangiante of Sky Sport was kind enough to release the full list. Uh, 11 of these 15, Andy, are defenders. And oddly enough, uh, many of these are also fullbacks. So I, we've talked about the turf. We've talked about they've changed the medical staff. Other than moving and burning down Trigoria to the ground, what can they possibly do? This, this goes beyond coincidence. This goes beyond anything reasonable that you could explain to me. This is absurd. It is absurd, and it would certainly need a Stephen A. Smith segment on this uh, because this is this is the kind of thing that you bring in a guy like Stephen A. to talk about. Uh, this is this is so I don't know. It's so it, it it seems like it's not it's not right to talk about metaphysical stuff at this point anymore. But as you've said. We've changed management multiple times during throughout the years, um, throughout Palotta's uh, uh, um, ownership. We've changed medical stuff. We we've 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 changed uh, everybody, the coaches, the, the the you know different different trainings, different methods. Um, we we've now apparently changed uh, uh, the pitch at Trigoria. Um, what else? What else is there to do? And then, as you said, you take a closer look, and the number of fullbacks that sustained that injury is scary. You have Mario Rui, you have Emerson Palmieri, you have Karsdorp, you have Florenzi, you have Zapacosta. I mean, what is scarier than the actual injury is 
to to whom that injury most of the times happens i mean boa as well in the, in the primavera mm. um these are this is a position that has always been vulnerable for uh, for Roma, and they've had trouble, and they've had six good months from from Maicon, and then boom again kaput. Then you had another good year from uh, Emerson, boom again. Uh, you 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 basically end his career at Roma that way. Um, you brought in Mario Rui. Mario Rui goes down after the preseason game, boom. Uh, Florenzi twice. Um, Karsdorp, you bring in Karsdorp, you think, okay, um, since the season we've had, past season we had Mario Rui who gave us maybe two months and it wasn't quality months. You, you have uh, Florenzi who is not really reliable or, you know, not showing good signs. You bring in a, a nice, good prospect like, like Karsdorp, boom, goes down. Um, and then again, he goes down again. And uh, you bring in Zappacosta. You say, wow, this is a great deal you get. Uh, free loan, you bring in a, an experienced player. Injury history not not that scary. Um, the only thing is that he hasn't played in a long time uh, due to Chelsea's uh, weird season under uh, Sarri. Okay, you give him a shot. Um, the guy doesn't even play an official match or starts an official match, and uh, and uh, and he goes down. And now what I'm getting at is that Roma always know that the fullback position is very delicate you know you florenzi you can count on him sometimes sometimes you really need someone else and they always get additional players to that position they always try to get digne they get uh, emerson they get you know and and at the, uh, we always end up the same way. We always have one player for that position. No matter how many players we bring in, how much talent we bring in, there will always be an injury that will most likely uh, impact our season. Because, you know, you might say this Zapacosta injury is not that big of a deal since, you know, he hasn't played any games for us. But we might need him. We brought him in from Chelsea so that because we knew that uh, the season is long. We have numerous competitions. Last season, we had so many injuries. This time around, you wanted to to be foolproof, right? And instead, um, the opposite happens. And and this is, uh, I don't know if it's bad juju, if it's bad management, whatever it is, it's, uh, it's scary. And it's on its way to... To, to influence another yet another Roma season. In the past, I, I almost found this easier because we could we could blame something like this on Darcy Norman, Ed Lippi, who were the former trainers at Roma, no longer here. They are no longer present. So they change, as you said, they've changed medical staffs, they changed training staffs, they change they've changed the 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 surface at Trigoria. So I don't know what to make of this. I don't know who to blame it on. I don't know who is responsible for it. All I know is that the numbers speak for themselves. They're averaging three players to tear an ACL per season. That is abnormal. That is absolutely unequivocally abnormal. So I don't know how they alleviate this issue. And now that brings forth another question. So... Zappacosta, at least done for the next four to five months. I can't envision that Roma would extend his loan, which was set to expire in January. I can't envision them extending that. It really wouldn't make sense for them. It wouldn't make sense for Chelsea to 
to do that. Nobody benefits. So do you think now they have to go and get a name because they're down a down a fullback? Davide Santon, I didn't think he was bad in the Europa League, but it remains to be seen if he's good enough to fill in as a replacement. Do you move Spinazzola full-time to the right? I mean, what do you do now? Because it looked like when Zappa Costa was returning that you could at least have Florenzi now pushed up to the attack and you had another name in the attack that could replace somebody like Under on the right, um, Clivert on the left, at least another name. Now, I, I don't know what you do. Um, well, first of all, before I answer your question, I wanted to just highlight a very interesting um, post by uh, Erika Mengi, who, who writes... Um, Writes for who wrote this article? We don't know anymore. It used to be Il Tempo. Yeah, she she wrote for Il Tempo, and that this was a very interesting article which highlighted how how frequently, as of late, this was from two years ago. How frequently, as of late, the ACL gets torn in the league. That more and more teams have players that. Get, get get injured, and most of the time they get re-injured. I mean, think of Conti, think of Florenzi. These are just a couple of examples. Um, so this is, I don't know what it is, but it's worth looking into. And then going back to your point, uh, do <laughs> what do we do? I really don't know what we do. I think the, the management uh, will probably take a chance with Santon. Sometimes the shift Spinazzola on that right wing, uh, on the, yeah, on that right wing um, as a right back, uh, which I have my doubts about because still, I mean, you know, one may question Zappacosta's quality, his the, the you know the impact he could have had at Roma, but it is still, at least you had someone who uh, whose natural position was that right back role, who, um, in terms of pedigree, in terms of experience, uh, could have challenged Fl- Florenzi really. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, not to be not to be, I want to clear things up because uh, we try to make him look like a clown, but Florenzi is. A guy who sacrificed two ACLs for 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 this team. I mean, uh, the yep. the guy was basically out uh, for for a, a whole year. Um, we didn't even know if if really if what it would be like if if he could even play uh, like thirty to forty percent of what he used to be. Um, because these are really, really uh, nasty injuries, and especially the way it happened to him. So that's that's giving credit. To him. Well, with Zappa Costa returning, I was actually excited because what if what if you and I said on this podcast the entire yeah. time, Lorenzi yeah. is not a right back; he should be played in the attack. Or if you're playing a three-man midfield, put him in the three-man midfield. If you're playing a four-four-two, put him wide in the midfield. I was actually excited because Zappa Costa would have allowed Florenzi to advance up in the attack. Now that's I, I mean that that's out the window now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I agree with you. Yes, and especially you know you saw the, the game uh, yesterday, um, and and you saw what uh, what Fonseca was saying. We needed to do a turnover, you know, and we had no choice. This was you know this was a game that was dictated by the numerous changes, and it seemed like it's something that will continue throughout the year. That that Fonseca is not stubborn. Um, you know, he doesn't get fixated with one player. Um, yes, he considers some fundamental, but that doesn't mean that uh, everybody is untouchable, right? Uh, so um, you could see that he wanted to rotate. And I listen, If uh, I, I'm pretty sure that Zappacosta would have played a full game uh, in like two weeks' time um, after the international break probably, so three weeks uh, 
but uh, now we're back to square one and um you know you can say that uh, santon was the best player on the pitch yesterday along with Zaniol, uh, as many newspapers pointed out but that's not a really positive thing um, from a team like Roma that is now trying to do something to get back on its feet. You need everybody. And I thought that bringing in Zappacosta on a free loan was an important move. And now he's out for four to five months, but we all know that takes much, much longer to, to be of any sort of importance. Probably that would take like six, seven months. Um, and and we know how, how that goes. Um so I consider him out, really. I mean, probably not even a Roma player anymore, really. Exactly. That's, that's that. That's what we're looking at. So this is, you know, it's it's very disappointing. Extremely disappointing. And you mentioned how Santon, uh, a lot of newspapers rated him as the best. <laughs> Do we want to mention Spinazzola? Uh, he was one of the worst against uh, against Wolfsburger in the Europa League. But but you know you know John I mean I, I, I uh, you know this is something that um, after a performance like the one yesterday in a game like yesterday I I really don't I I was thinking about it I didn't want to come on here and you know and single out positive and negative performances because you really can't do it in a game like that and no um, that was ugly from everyone it, it was it was it was ugly from everyone you know uh, it, it 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 just didn't wasn't wasn't going our way um, and I think. Again, game like yesterday also speaks volumes volumes of how poor the quality of the Europa League is in these stages when there are still <laughs> the when the the teams yeah. when the teams from the Champions League uh, uh are are still not there you know so right, um right. you know you think about the quality that the, the Champions League uh, uh had in the past couple of years you had Atletico Madrid you had Arsenal you had Chelsea all these teams that you know uh, came from from the, the 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 Champions League, that added quality. Right now, we don't have it. I mean, you 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 have Luxembourgish teams. You know, yesterday I was I'm here in Luxembourg right now, and uh, they had to stop the game because a drone was flying over the stadium. Um, <laughs> That, that's and that's that, that's peak Europa League, you know. That's peak Europa League. They were apparently the footballers were trying to to shoot the drone down with the use of a ball um, because they were getting irritated. Anyway, that's I think the game yesterday. We all knew that uh, something had to be done. So we had to impose ourselves. This has to be played in a very different way. We had to score the ball. Um, we did not. And that again proves that just this competition at this stage is a lot of times uninspiring. And yes, sometimes it can create interesting narratives because, you know, you have now an Austrian team that is, I think, third in the Austrian league and, and they're getting results and they're getting results and, and, and uh, fair play to them. But uh, it's to me the, the match from yesterday. It's impossible to really comment anything on it because the whole thing was just absurd, ridiculous. I agree, it was ridiculous. There were a couple of things that sort of stood out to me that I think we could at least discuss. The mm. first of which I'm not going to spend a lot sure. of time on because it's been there's nothing more I can add to it. But Javier Pastore. You and I said a few episodes ago, it's matches like this where he can actually play a part. He won't be playing in the league unless there's injuries. Now you have Lorenzo Pellegrini out. Zaniolo obviously is going to take his role behind uh, behind Dzeko. 
So barring some sort of injury or rotation for Zaniolo, you still won't be seeing Pastore a lot. But the fact he's not able to get anything going against an Austrian side, that is frightening, that's worrying, that is alarming. Think of any other word that is similar to those. It's that. I mean, he was terrible, Andy. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't just bad. And again, I, I realize by talking about individuals, we're sort of missing the bigger picture. We're missing the point. But I, I, I can't reiterate this enough, just how poor well, he looked. You know, I, I, I may agree with you. I, I, I agree that um, uh, almost like with everybody else, it uh, didn't really show um, any will or, you know, any just, just didn't look like he wanted to, to perform yesterday. Um I think you can say that about almost anybody uh, uh, besides Zaniolo and Mirante, who I think were, and, and Santon, <laughs> and Santon, who were clearly the only ones who were aiming at a result and um, tried to, to give their best. Um, I mean, poor Kalinic. I saw, I saw so many people uh, criticizing Kalinic, uh, you know, saying all sorts of things. Oh, my God, you know, I can't watch this. He was taking a lot of but stick. He was, he was a taking lot a lot of stick, but but tell me, tell me who was getting him the ball? I know he got off like sh- six shots, but were they quality shots? Was he getting any kind of service? I can I can say I can point to so many situations where Clivert or Zaniolo or Pastore were in situations where they could clearly pass the ball straight to him, give him an opportunity. Um, because that's not the problem. Yesterday we created, we just never finalized never capitalized on 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 a nice play and Kalinic he looked completely lost out there because it was like nobody was seeing him in in the in the right moment so I really again that's another performance that I really can't say um can be judged uh, or commented on I can uh, criticize uh, Clivert and Pastore because those are players that that yesterday had to make a difference and uh, you expect a guy like Clivert with his speed with his technical skills whatever they may be to make a difference against the team like the one we saw yesterday and instead um, they played up to their standards and that wasn't good enough how frustrating is Clivert to you I I saw you had a couple of tweets about him (laughs) and yes for me he is so frustrating to watch because he has everything up until that final part, whether it be uh, the right shot, the right pass, the right run, he does everything right up until the end, which makes it so frustrating to watch him because what he does yeah, up until that final end product that he lacks is is top. I mean, it's top level. the The amount of promise he shows is abundant. And and not only that, I mean, I mean, he. It's not only that you know. He always wants to play. I mean, he always gives his all. You can tell that he is someone that really puts in effort. But um, sometimes he's just way too confident. And, and you know, I, I tweeted about him that it's so weird to see him sometimes get, you know, get really fast. He does something really special. And then next thing you know, he fucks up. <laughs> And, and and the whole the whole play is is screwed up because he just thought okay I'll I'll do it by myself or okay I'll run another uh, couple of feet forward and 
you know, instead of passing it right away. It's it's those little things that he gets wrong. And that's why probably he's so frustrating because you can see that he has something. It's just it, it, the, the thing is that he never lifts his head. Most of the time he believes too much of, in himself. Obviously, I prefer that than being, you know, too timid um, because sometimes good things may come your way uh, if, if you're confident. But uh, when it's... When it comes to the point where you have to rely on a guy, Clivert is, is still not that guy. Yeah, I agree. So now it's Cagliari at the weekend. This is a team that, especially when they play from home, Roma, I don't know what it is, them, Chievo, there's just these sides that Roma tend to struggle against that are much... Uh, they're an inferior opponent, but Roma just always tend to drop points against them. You have Nangolan, you have Olsen, you have Luca Pellegrini on the other side. Are they dropping points? They can't possibly do that. They can't afford to. They can't. They, they they can't possibly do that. But I can see them oh, drawing. I can. Oh I can. Gosh. I can see that because, because um, I, I listen. I uh, Cagliari have not played a phenomenal brand of football now that with uh, Nangolan injured and you know um, Olsen <laughs> making well, miracles. Maran is their, their manager. I mean, he's... Maran, Maran has has uh, has Roma's number. He's had Roma's number for for for. Uh, quite some time now and you know with with this Kievo uh, giving us problems Bielsa whenever we, scoring yeah. wonder goals Christ you know and so it's um it's a it, it will be a pain in the ass game and uh, I'm I I really hope that we we can crush them because the, I think this is a team that can either be really sneaky and can hurt you um or they just give up and they they get crushed and so I really hope I don't see a similar display to that uh, by by Napoli where they dominated yes but at the end of the day they came out with zero points um because of what just one disappointing counter attack right they had 30 shots in that match 30. they had 30 they had 30 shots and I think Cagliari had like two shots on goal or something like that and you just can't afford to do that when you're Roma. Your morale will go way, way, way down. Um, so I expect a strong, confident win. But at the same time, I know that there are injuries. Um, there is the question of rotations. And there is the question of, of a team that is tricky to play, no matter where you play them. So I, I, I expect them to win. But... Uh, you know, there is always a chance. Hey, real quick, I saw people, particularly on social media, giving Fonseca a bit of a difficult time for some of the things he did in the Europa League. They didn't like the substitutions he made. I saw at least two or three people compare them to something uh, Rudy Garcia would have done. And then I also saw people taking issue with the fact that in the post-match, he said something to the effect of, and I apologize for not getting this exactly correct or verbatim, but in his post-match comments, he said, we dominated. Uh, we were just lacking the goal. Are either of those valid criticisms in your eyes? Um, I, I think, uh, listen, in the, to the second one, and I, I saw some people also discuss it. I, I truly think that we're, in, we're at the stage where Fonseca is really not not that comfortable with the, with the Italian language. And, uh, you know, often when you deal with translations or with, when you deal with a foreign coach who tries to say something i i think what he was trying to say is that you you had no problem going into their final third you really had no problem uh pushing that whole team up to their goal is that 
the problem was that you can you could never get that final pass right so that is a valid point that the fact that um as a team you dominated possession you had no problem going forward you would you did not s- sit back and relax and you know you you actually played most of the game in their half uh, the problem is that just you weren't good enough you weren't good enough when it came to um putting the ball in the back of the net and I think that was what he was trying to say. Obviously, you know, I can't speak for him, but at least from a viewer's perspective, that's how I interpreted the game. Um, and then uh, the substitutions. Listen, I we we all I I saw the standings. We're currently sitting in first place. Um, the, the, this game, I'm tr- I'm telling you, it reminded me, you know, the last time we were in Europa League with uh, Spalletti. Remember when we are in the first stages, we played um, Pilsen, we played Astra Giorgio, we played all these teams. And I think the first game we drew at Pilsen 1-1, it was a horrible game. We dropped a number of points, but... Uh, it was always done because you could clearly see that despite what they always say, we care about this competition, we care about the, whatever, they, they, their mind is always on the bigger picture. That bigger picture right now is the Serie A. So to me, when you put Antonucci on in a match that, you know, you, you think you're going to win, that always means that, you know, you're you're satisfied, that you're sitting back, that you say, okay, you know what? Let's see how this goes. Maybe we get lucky. Maybe we score one and we win. You know, um, I think we are extremely lucky with the with the Turkish side and the Turkish side uh, getting out of that game with a draw. That was very lucky because that was like a last minute goal. Um, and so those two are sitting on one point. Wolfsburger and Roma are on top of the table of four. Um, so there is a lot to play for, but if you if you ask me, would I prefer to win Cagliari over Wolfsburger? Definitely. Oh, one hundred percent. And if if anybody disagrees with that, I would I would reevaluate your priorities. Right now, it's I almost feel like at this point, particularly this last week or two weeks, it almost has the sense that Roma just want to to get to this international break healthy and in semi-decent form. Towards the very end of that match against Wolfsburger, it's not like they were putting the pedal all the way to the floor and going all out. It sort of seemed clear that they were happy with the draw and content with conserving a little bit of energy, yeah? Yeah, and, and, and you know, you had the chance. You had the chance to win this game in the final, say, 15-20 minutes. You just had to put Kolarov and Jack on. He decided to put Kolarov in the final 10 minutes um, and, and he rested Dzeko. That was clearly his priority, to rest those those really key players. That's where we're going to end it. We will be back next week after the match against Cagliari, which, again, we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed for three points. They need them. Very critical, particularly when you consider that uh, you have Inter, you have Juve, you have Napoli with the difficult match away to Torino. So, again... Fingers crossed. We will be back next week after the match day. So as always, thank you so, so much for listening. And until next time, ciao.